0: Thank you, worship team, for that reminder that our God is always faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Every day, you know, when Christ bids you to come, when Christ saves a person, he doesn't just leave that person in the condition that he was in. He begins a process of cleaning that person's life up from the inside out. We're continuing our series that was launched last week entitled Building Upon Our Heritage. And this morning we're going to be looking at a particular topic that Paul introduces in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1 concerning the notion that we are adopted in Christ. Yes, you have it. You are adopted in Christ. What does that look like? What does that mean? There's an earthly aspect to adoption that we understand, but there's an even greater aspect, the spiritual adoption that the Scripture does talk about. Being a part of God's family ought not be something that is merely relegated to Our thoughts. Yes? I mean, I can see why it would be to some degree or another because we're still awaiting the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the restoration of all things. I can see why it could be relative, relevated, or relegated to our thoughts and it ends there. No. Being a part of God's family for us, it's not some pie in the sky, something that a person hopes to happen, but it doesn't happen. When Christ supernaturally bids you and I to to come, you are now of a redeemed stock of holy ones whom our Lord will demonstrate the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2. And so this is neither fiction nor a fairy tale. Our Christian walk is a reality in the lives of every believer in Jesus Christ. Our salvation is real. It's not a fiction. It's not a fairy tale. Our adoption in Christ is not something that, again, should be relegated only to our thoughts. And with that in mind, please turn with me to... Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 7 and 11. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under your seat that would be on, that would be page 150, page 150, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 and 11, to which Paul reminds us regarding God who predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. (laughs) In him... Not outside of him, but in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Do you like that? According to the riches of his grace. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Let's pray. Oh Lord, what a marvelous truth to be adopted, to be embraced in the arms of salvation, to know that we have an eternal home to go to, to know that we bear and have the privileges of kingdom citizens. What a marvelous privilege to be called by your mercy and love and grace. Lord, help us to understand this rich and great truth. and May we Never neglected. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christian, you're adopted in Christ. And so for this morning, we're going to be discussing four incredible truths about our spiritual adoption. I don't want you to take your spiritual adoption lightly because it was according to the good pleasure of His will. It was God's will to the praise of the glory of His grace, which we are favored in the beloved one. The life that you and I now live in Christ is all to the praise of His glory. I like what Wayne Grudem said. Wayne Grudem, he's a a theologian, professor, and he defines our adoption, as that great act of God, it's real simple, whereby he makes us members of his family. And so if you don't have a family, you have one with the family of the redeemed. If perchance you were raised without a father, you have a father of eternity who will never leave you nor forsake you. Your father may have left you, your earthly father may have left you for whatever reason, But you have an eternal Father in heaven who will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. He knows all of your circumstances. If he has determined the number of the stars, if he has counted all of them by name, do you think that he'd be negligent to lose any one of you? Let alone forget the names of those whom he is pleased to give the kingdom to? Do you think he'd forget about you in the little or the smallest matters of our lives? You think he's not acquainted with our suffering here as we sojourn here on this earth? You think he doesn't know about that? So being adopted by the creator of the universe, man, to being adopted by the creator of your soul ought to impact the way that we sing such rich and enduring truths. I am adopted, right? O oh, wonderful love, heir to a heritage which is purchased above. Tell it my soul and joyfully sing, I am a child and an heir of the king. You know, entrance into the everlasting city of grace, it's not something that is wrought about by something that I do or something that you do. It's not wrought about by human means. It's not something like it's a key that, we have here on its earth, on the earth, and it's something that we have to unlock. No, it's, we, we are not born into God's family by human means. No, it's not how it works. I mean, you've, you've, perhaps you've heard of the statement before. At some point in time of your life, we're all God's, what, children? Yes, and amen, <laughs> right? You, you, you've, heard, you've heard of that, right? I mean, perhaps you had a discussion with someone who said that they are Christian by virtue of what? Of, by virtue of how they were raised. By virtue of their parents being Christian, therefore, I was born as a Christian. I've heard that before. But I want you to know that just because God created us, he created you and me, yes, that's true. That doesn't mean that we are a part of his family any more than we are Christians because our parents are Christians. And if you tend to think along those lines, I want you to remember how Judaism believed. Even so, now they espouse this belief today. In other words, they espouse that if you were Jewish, then it automatically opened the kingdom of God because they were physical descendants of Abraham. And you have John the Baptist. You are familiar with John the Baptist in the scriptures. I mean, he encountered this kind of thinking in his own time when many a religious Jew were coming to be baptized by him in the Jordan. John was a Jew, too, and he was conversant with the Jewish beliefs of his day. And he was familiar with what the rabbis taught the people of that day and age. So then, in front of a watching world, does anybody remember? Does anybody remember what he said? If not, perhaps we can, you can see it up there. He says to them, he says, Do not assume that you can say to yourself that we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Remember that? You see the problem? John saw that there was something wrong with the theology of his day. He saw that there was something wrong with what they were espousing. He understood that their problem was a heart issue. It was a spiritual issue. They needed to cut deeper, you see. They needed to go further than what was on the surface. They needed to cut deeper into their hearts to understand that Abraham's true children are those who share Abraham's faith. That's what they missed. Those who share Abraham's faith, who believe Like Abraham believed, ah, those are the true descendants of Abraham. Believing God's word the way he believed. That's why the Apostle Paul could say to the believers in the Church of Rome in chapter 9 that not all Israel is what? Is Israel. Not all are Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they children, because they are Abraham's descendants. But it goes on to say, it is not the children of the flesh, you see. Gotta cut deeper. Gotta cut deeper. It's not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as what? As who? As descendants. As descendants. In other words, you are a true descendant of Abraham if you have faith like Abraham. But it it doesn't end there. There has to be a reflection. There has to be a reflection of that adoption such that we think like God thinks, you see? Such that we live how God wants us to live. That we act like he acts. And the only way that we can know the mind of God is is the book, It's the Bible's under your seats. You wanna know what God thinks and how he thinks and how he wants you to live, you gotta read the book. You gotta bathe your mind in the spiritual solution of God's word every day and by and by. You wanna think like he thinks, you gotta read the book. Because our adoption takes on a new and different spiritual pedigree in contrast to our former way of living our former way of living. I mean, what, I mean, what in the world did that look like? What did our former way of that look like prior to our being adopted in Christ? Well, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what it looked like. Apart from adoption, we are dead. Apart from salvation, we are dead. In which you formerly walked according to the course or the trajectory of this world according to the prince the power of the air of the spirit that now is working in the sons of disobedience among them we too we us two formerly lived in the lust of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and we were by nature children of wrath even as the rest end quote so you see Prior to my adoption, spiritual adoption. Prior to your spiritual adoption, we were born into the family of the dead. Paul has in mind this realm of existence that we were in prior to our being saved. We were in in the sphere of being spiritually dead a state of being that's what we were and so then it follows that while we were in this state of condition we it makes sense that we would not at all reflect the kind of living faith, but an unregenerate kind of living. An unregenerate kind or of a lifestyle, an unregenerate way of conduct and thinking. Naturally, we were walking in disobedience to our Creator. In other words, the course of our thoughts, the course of our actions are in accordance with obeying our Father. Not God the Father, but someone else the devil. Now, we know that Jesus is no stranger to debate, right? Jesus was a master debater. He was going back and forth with the religious leaders of his day who were saying that they were saved by virtue of their physical lineage to to Abraham. And so what Jesus did was he turned the tables on them, and he said that if you truly were descendants of Abraham, then you would act like Abraham acted. You would think like Abraham thought. You would imitate his faith. You would imitate his life change, which they did not. That was the problem. They needed to cut deeper. They needed to cut deeper. And then he turns to them and he says that they are... Imitating not Abraham, but their father, the devil, because their conduct was diametrically opposed to Christ and the word of God. Because sonship, get this, sonship is predicated upon one's conduct. Your adoption in Christ is true by what it produces. Our behavior must manifest that we are imitators of God as beloved children. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. That's why Jesus could also say in John chapter 8, he says, truly, truly, that means amen, amen. I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And then he goes on to say the slave doesn't remain in the house forever. He says the son remains in the house forever. In other words, the only course a person has, the only course a person has outside of the family of faith, outside of adoption, outside of salvation, is slavery to sin. The course of our will is bound in a perpetual state of deadness, and Christ must reach down. In order for that to end, Christ has to reach down. He must breathe into our nostrils the breath of life such that when he embraces us, calls us his own via spiritual adoption, all sinners are the slaves of sin and all poisoned by death's sting, as one hymn writer would put it. And Christ only can from sin and death a full deliverance bring. So we need to be sons of God. We have to be adopted. Spiritual adoption occurs at salvation. When we are embraced in the arms of salvation, Romans 9 says of us that the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. In other words, those connected with the promise or promises of God to redeem are those whom he calls his children. Then Paul would go on to say in Ephesians chapter 1, and we go on to say in verses 13 and 14, he says, in him, it's in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. I mean, that is a glorious amen. That is a glorious truth. The Holy Spirit resides in you. He seals you. He essentially says you are mine. And that promise in Philippians 1 will come to pass because he that is greater in you will complete the work that he began in Christ Jesus, on our way to the celestial city of promise, on our way to the golden shores of eternity. You know, a number of you may know that I have a twin brother. We were adopted. We didn't know our biological mother or father. And upon our adoption, we were given new first names. We were given new last names. My name wasn't David. You know me as David. Post-adoption, before my name was David, it was Santos. That was my name. And then I was adopted, and they changed my name. My last name was changed as well. We legally became a part of the Mora family. They changed my name to David. We and my brother Eddie... His name was Ed, but they made it longer, not much change, but it was a change nonetheless, Edward. And me and my brother Edward had all the rights at that point of our adoption. We had all the rights and privileges of the family that we were adopted into. And then we began to learn how to live as they lived. And to behave as they behaved. And we began to, in time, bear the characteristics of the Mora family. And all that came with it, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. Huh? <laughs> White man, the ugly. Now listen, this is what God did for us. He set his love upon you. He saved you by his grace. And what followed was a spiritual adoption into his family. And he, in effect, what he did was he erased your previous familial relationship and you now bear a new moniker, a new nature that is spiritually alive and wants to learn how to bear the characteristics of that heavenly family. Yes, he will even give you a new name. Did you know that in the Book of Revelation, which is deeply personal? Listen to when I when I began to mature and grow older, to know my background, to know that I was in an earthly sense adopted, it, it bore on special meaning. It became deeply personal to me, and then to have my name changed became deeply personal to me. But even in a greater sense, what God did for you. Should be deeply, deeply, even emotionally personal. In the book of Revelation, you get a new name. In the future, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, what the Spirit says to God's people, to him who overcomes. Anytime you see that word in the New Testament, Overcomer always refers to those who are Christian, followers of Jesus Christ. To the Christian, to him I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone, a new name written on the stone which no one knows but him who receives it. You get a new name. You get a new name. You replace your earthly, earthly name with a very personal spiritual name and I believe that that name represents your new character, our new character and is deeply deeply personal. In Galatians, chapter 3, it says, for you are all sons of God, but there is a catch through faith. You gotta believe. You gotta believe through faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus becomes our brother, our spiritual brother, God our Father. And it all happens... That all takes shape when a person embraces faith in Christ Jesus and you receive all the rights and privileges of the kingdom to come. You are in effect kingdom citizens here and now and this unregenerate world must see how you reflect that adoption, must see how you reflect the kingdom that is coming. They must see that you are a different moniker. They must see that you are a different people. And so I want you to understand, I want us to understand that our adoption really is a unique privilege. It's a unique privilege. I'm going to give you a quote. It's quite long, but I want, I just want to read through it. Just listen and pay attention. But it's absolutely amazing. I love how Wayne Grudem talked about our spiritual adoption. Listen to what he said. He said, although adoption is a privilege that comes to us at the time we become Christians, nevertheless, it is a privilege that is distinct from justification, distinct from regeneration. In regeneration, here's how he explains it. In regeneration, we are made spiritually alive, able to relate to God in prayer and worship, and able to hear his word with receptive hearts. But it is possible that God could have creatures who are spiritually alive and yet are not members of his family and do not share the special privileges of family members. Angels, for example, apparently fall into that category. Therefore, it would have been possible for God to decide to give us regeneration without the great privilege of adoption into his family. Moreover, God could have given us justification without the privileges of adoption into his family. For he could have forgiven our sins and given us right legal standing before him without making us his children. It's important to realize this because it helps us to recognize how great are our privileges in adoption. He goes on to say that regeneration has to do with our spiritual life in him. Justification has to do with our spiritual standing before God's law. But adoption has to do with our relationship with God as our Father. And in adoption, we are given many of the greatest blessings that we will know for all eternity. What a marvelous truth. God is our Father. Our spiritual Father. I never knew my... Earthly Father. But upon becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, it became very deeply personal. And you say, David, you know, I, I can't really, I can't necessarily relate to that. Yes, you absolutely can. Because upon salvation, you became adopted sons and daughters of the King. You absolutely can relate to it. You can absolutely relate to how deeply personal it is to be a child of the King who resides in heaven, who has given you and will give you the benefits of kingdom glory, the reformation of our bodies and yours. Not being afraid of death, knowing that he is on the other side, waiting to receive us into his home upon the golden shores of eternity. Our adoption. Did I read the rest of that quote? Let me finish it. The Lord is still conforming me. When we begin to realize the excellence of these blessings, and when we appreciate that God has no obligation to give us any of them, then we will be able to to exclaim with the apostle John, see what love the Father has given us. that we should be called children of God. Oh, man. I'm glad I... I remember that part. I'm glad I finished this quote here. It's a marvelous truth. Our adoption welcomes us into a new family. From before the foundation of the world, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. In other words, that is to say that apart from human influence, Apart from human merit, from before the foundation of the world, our Lord chose by himself and for himself some to be the objects of his love, some to be the object of his mercy, some to be the objects of his grace, and he accomplished that sweet embrace of salvation through Jesus Christ to those who what? Who believe. Who believe. And, and upon that adoption, upon him welcoming us into the family, upon that true reality, our family is absolutely a present reality. We become more like our father, independent of our thoughts, words, and deeds. And so it should be obvious that we're a part of a different family. We're of a different moniker. We become more like our Heavenly Father, it's in 1 Corinthians it talks about even the reformation of our body, the change from glory. We are changing even now in progressive sanctification. We become more and more holy, more and more like our spiritual heritage. I just love the passage that you're going to see in a moment. I gave you it a few minutes ago. I'm going to read it again, but the more in a fuller sense. I love knowing that I can be a part of God's family. How about you? When I consider, when we consider our adoption, when you consider your adoption, your spiritual family, you come to a point of maturity, and you begin to understand how deeply meaningful that is, the more you understand your king, who is Jesus, the more you understand your father, in heaven. You know, when I was becoming to the understanding and maturity of my own earthy adoption, I was still curious as to who my parents were. And even now, I would still like to know more. I learned a lot fairly recently. I began to do research into my personal family background. I began to understand. (laughs) I, when I began to dig deeper into my earthy Background, I really began to understand God's providence behind some of the reasons for my adoption because I understood that my upbringing would have been far different than what I was raised in and adopted into. And I am truly and especially glad and happy for God's providence in moving things behind the scenes. God worked through what appears to be evil circumstances to bring about a providential protection for me and my brother. And and actually, I just recently found out that I have an older brother and an older sister. Both are twins, 11 years older. They were adopted out to, into a different family. But concerning our adoption, I see a providential protection for me and my brother until it was God's appointed time to make us heirs of his grace and it is deeply meaningful to me. Your spiritual adoption in the heavenly should be deeply meaningful and personal to you. It ought to be. It ought to make you so gloriously happy. (laughs) Is your adoption and being an heir of grace meaningful to you? Does it not sometimes you think about the older you get, you know, we get more rusty. (laughs) I can't think of a better word. We get more rusty, you know. we, We just lose the our fallenness becomes more and more apparent. Can I say it that way? You become more grateful for the reality of heaven to go home. Oh, what a father that we have, how tenderly gracious. Oh, what a savior to make me his care. Though I have slighted, rejected, and grieved him, still he permits me his kingdom to share. And so consider your spiritual adoption, Christian. Had God the Father not adopted you, into the family of faith through Jesus Christ, the course of your life will be far different from what you and I would know it to be now. But it's so very different now, is it not, Christian? Your life is so very different now, we don't yet see the full picture. Our adoption into the family of faith, it couldn't be more glorious. And so, if you're suffering, If you're in pain, I want you to remember, remember your adoption. Remember that the Lord has given you his spirit. Yes? Quiet ones? (laughs) He's given you his spirit. Yes and amen? And one day he will wipe all of your tears away. Why? Because only a good father... Spiritual father knows how to wipe those tears away because that is what father, that is what a father does to and for his adopted children, giving entrance. And even today. That's why we call him Abba Father, right? Here's the passage. See how great a love the Father has bestowed. Make it personal, bestowed on you. That we will be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world doesn't know us, because it didn't know him. Beloved, now, (laughs) now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope, do you have the hope? This hope he's talking about is heaven, change, reformation, old becoming new, old nature, new nature given to you. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. What a glorious truth, is it not? But you do know that your adoption came at a price. It came at such a high price. It all began thousands of years ago. Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Christ had it ordained from the very beginning to make you an heir of his grace. He would go to the cross to be bruised for you. He was rejected by the Father so that you would be received by the Father according to the riches of his grace. On the cross, God looked at you. God looked at Christ and saw you. And now he looks at you and sees Christ. Christ left heavenly glory for a time to die so that you would not receive the wages of your sin. Because outside of being adopted into his family means being cast away from his presence forever in hell to serve your life sentence there. You see, Paul said it. It's only by God's powerful grace. In him, we have redemption through his blood. And our adoption results in astonishing blessings, does it not? Does it not result in astonishing blessings? Our sins are forgiven. We receive an inheritance. Well, what is that inheritance? Well, to put it shortly, to put it very simply, it's heaven. You get eternity forever in the kingdom. Bec- and a new body suited to the conditions of heaven forever. And it's final. Once you become a part of his family, it's a done deal. And if he has to pull you back (laughs) into the fold, believe me what I say, he will pull you back, he will yank you back into his fold because we can be stubborn people. He'll pull you back real quick. He'll pull you out of that bog of... Despondence, having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. It's his will that he made you a son and daughter and an heir of grace. That was his will. And I think with that all of God's people can say what? We can say amen to that. Father in heaven, <laughs> thank you. Lord, for making us heirs of grace. Thank you for changing us. Lord, please help us to think like you think. We want to think like you think and to act like you act. Use the word of God to shape us and mold us into His, into your image, Lord God, and likeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.